0: god hallelujah you know one of the good things about turning 70 which happened to me a few years ago is that you can be a child i'm in my second childhood you know what's good about it i got more money than i did when i was going through the first time (laughs) it's so good to be here i want to thank you all uh i want you to know that i am semi-retired and i'm a preacher at heart and so uh I only preach once a a month at Calvary, so that means I'm all pent up. So I hope you brought snacks. (laughs) Every once in a while, you'll see me do this. It doesn't mean anything. It just (laughs) means that if you think to yourself, does this man know what time it is? I'm letting you know, yes, but I just don't care. (laughs) No, I'm only kidding. What time do you normally end? About, oh oh, okay, okay, all right. I got enough time, amen. You know one time a young fella came up to me and he asked me, he said, how come you don't wear a collar? And I said, so I can sneak up on you. The other day I was reading something on the internet I think it was on Facebook. And it was about a, a fella, a minister who does wear the collar. And he asked the young people, do you know why I wear this collar? And one of the young people raised his hand and said, yes. It wards up fleas and ticks for 30 days. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't understand about God and about what's going on. And I want to introduce to you the one who keeps me in line. My wife, Judy. Yeah, it is, really, yeah, yeah. February, we'll be married 55 years. Yeah, I'm older than I look. I just got a lot of energy, you know. But beloved, in, in all seriousness, uh, I want to thank Pastor Donnie for giving me this opportunity to come and share, and I'm grateful to be here. It's good to see you all, and I love this weather because I'm from up north. As you can probably tell by my accent, I'm from Long Island, New York, and uh, we spent the last 17, well, not the last 17 years, but the last 17 years of our full-time ministry up just south of Boston. So uh, we were up there when we got 96 inches of snow in I think it was 11 days. Yeah, we we had almost 42 inches of snow on our roof. We had to have our roof shoveled. Can you imagine that? And when the guy got done shoveling it off the roof, he just stepped off the roof on the pile. That's when we, yeah, we were living in a high ranch. That's when I think we kind of decided, maybe Florida's not that bad, you know? (laughs) Father, I stand before your people today. And I'm grateful for it. But Lord, I pray that this mouth would be your mouth. That these thoughts would be your thoughts. And that this heart would be your heart. They've come today for many reasons. But Lord, I want to share you with them. And I ask you, Lord, for your richest anointing. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I don't know how many of you, you, there, you know, I guess you've heard about it lately, that uh, biblical uh, illiteracy. It's true. I bump into a lot of folks and they tell me, oh, I've been saved. I'm saved for 20 years, 30 years. And I get to, I, I, I love to bring in the Bible, okay. And I can tell in like 20 seconds. They're not reading. They're not really partaking. And that is exactly what the enemy of our soul wants. This word is our physical presence of Christ. And if you love him, you need to partake of this word. Now I know a lot of folks got it on their phone. I like to have Because as you can tell, I I like to write in it. And it's good to have underlining. And you can find things. Let me share some things with you that you may not be aware of. But if you were a student of the scriptures, you probably might, might be. So some of you watching online, you may be aware of these things. I don't know. We like to skip over the genealogies, don't we? A couple of years ago, there was a, a, a campaign out there with a little book, uh, uh, The Prayer of Jabez, and that was right in the middle of ge- uh, geology, uh, genealogies. But if you go back to Genesis and you do the numbers that are in Genesis about the ancestors of Noah, you discover that Adam and Lamech were contemporaries. They lived at the same time for like 50 years. Now Lamech is Methuselah's father. I'm sorry, Noah's father. And so when you read that, you start to realize when they talk to you about, well, the story went from this one, and then it went to that one, and then it went to That's not true. It really didn't go that far it'd be like your grandfather talking to you. There's another fact that you may not know is that Noah built the ark. By the way, it took him 100 years to build that ark. Wow. And that ark was equivalent to two home depots side by side. And then three more on top of them. That's a big boat. I'm sure the neighbors were coming by and saying, what you doing, Noah? You know? And probably gave him static about it. But what you may not be aware of is it tells us in the scriptures that he lived 350 years after the flood. And... What that does is it says that Noah was alive with a fella named Abram who became Abraham. They were contemporaries for like 50 years. Can you imagine how Noah must have felt when we know that society, humanity had already drifted into ideology and Noah's trying to tell them, hey, God gets offended at that. Can you imagine his heartache? How he must have felt knowing that all of his descendants are not serving God. Not all of them. But this guy Abram's doing okay. See, sometimes we don't see those things. Another thing is is we're coming up on Christmas A lot of people want to tell us the reason why it's December 25th is because, well, you know, there was the Feast of Saturnella and all this other nonsense. (laughs) The fact of the matter is, is the reason why Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Christ, is because it's the 25th day of the 12th month. And in the Jewish sacred calendar, on the 25th day of Kislev, the 12th month, is when the Maccabees had cleansed the temple and relit the menorah with the oil. And what did they do? They cleansed the temple and they lit the light. What did Jesus coming into this world do? He came to cleanse the temple and light the light. And so they decided... Because even Jesus, if you look in your scriptures, if you go to John chapter 10, verse 22, you'll see that he was celebrating the festival of lights. Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. And so the people just said, well, you know, now we're Christians and we don't bow down to that temple. We bow down to Jesus. And that's why they said that we don't know the day he was born. And we're coming up on Thanksgiving! Woo. Yeah, it's my favorite holiday, it really is. I don't have to buy nobody nothing. <laughs> I don't have to think of gifts or nothing. All I have to do is watch football and eat turkey and pumpkin pie. And I like that. This year we're going to visit our uh, niece and her husband and baby uh, up in Tennessee. We're going to be out in the woods. In, in a log cabin type house, you know, and it's going to be nice. But it's not a national holiday. It's a bi- biblical feast. The reason that the pilgrims started it was to give thanks to God. That's why it's called Thanksgiving. We give thanks to God for what he has given us throughout the year. Some people don't know that. Even people who are Christians don't understand. It's their God. Well, frankly, enough of that. I guess you could see that. That's my handiwork up there. In a couple of minutes, you'll see a better (laughs) one's handiwork. I did that at 9:10 this morning, uh, and frankly, I have to get back into things. I suppose I hope I do. If you have your Bible or if you have it on the phone, would you join me in chapter 11 of Hebrews? Chapter 11 of Hebrews. Many of you know the beginning of this verse, this chapter. I'm going to read. Verses 1 through 19. Now faith is the uh, uh, substance or the assurance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the, works were f- the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which were were not made of things that were visible. Excuse me. Can you hear that? Driving me crazy. I'm a little bit of Monk. Anybody watch Monk? (laughs) I'm a little bit of Monk. (laughs) My wife told me, when you go up there, don't start moving things around and fixing them. We used to travel for five years. We were in Teen Challenge. I was the executive director of Brooklyn Teen Challenge. We traveled all over the country. I've spoken about 250 or some odd churches, some of them more than once. And I'd say in about 100 of them, I would be rearranging things, you know? I done not already. Yeah, and she, I'd all of a sudden look over it and she'd be going, you know? Telling me, no, no, don't do that, excuse me. But uh, I'm going to try not to have that noise. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, and through it, he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before this translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please please him or God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would afterward receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he sojourned in a land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which was has its foundation, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These are all dead in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly, if they had called to mind that country, from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said in Isaac your seed shall be called according that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. These are and it goes on to talk about others as well. For example, Rahab. It talks about Rahab. They marched around the city of Jericho and then they, on the seventh day they turned and they shouted and the walls came down. But not all the wall. Rahab lived on the wall. Her portion of the wall did not come down. You and I may stand in the middle of tragedy and calamity and destruction, but God, is with us who believe. We don't just believe in God. We believe God. We believe what he said. We believe what he can do. We believe who he is. Some people think they choose other gods, but there are no other gods. There's only one God. It's not a competition out there. It's not your election going on. There's only one God. And when we don't choose him, it hurts him. And I've come to love him, I don't want to hurt him. (coughs) A little on the personal side, so that you understand I know what I'm talking about. My father mustered out of the army after World War II in a place called Mitchell Air Force Base on Long Island. He met this pretty little blonde, and they went on a couple of dates. I don't know how many. I wasn't there. And, uh, but finally, that pretty little blonde got pregnant. The problem was that my father was 24 years old. That pretty little blonde was only 16. And back in 1947, that meant you either go to the jail or you get married. So they got married. I suppose they tried to work it out. But I seen both of them be unfaithful to each other. And at eight years old, they decided that was enough. They had had another child, my younger brother. And when he was three months old, they realized this ain't working, and I guess. And so they separated. I went with my mother, and she dropped me off at about, I don't know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning in front of my grandparents' house in Hicksville, Long Island. She unloaded the crib and the playpen and all of the furniture for my little brother out of the back of her car, and I sat in the front holding my brother. Then she opened the door and she told me, I hate your guts, I don't ever want to see you again. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have married that guinea. And I got out and stood on the sidewalk and held my little brother in my arms while she pulled away. Three years later, now, I was not welcome in my grandparents' house. They put up with us, but they really didn't want us there, and you can understand that. Uh, Three years later, when I was 11, my father had finally gotten custody of my brother and I through the divorce. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And uh, we went to live with him. School had started, and it was like the second or third week of school, and I got up late to catch the bus, and I wasn't able to roll. I don't know how many of you ever know what a roll-up, rollaway bed is. You kind of fold it up, and then you put your bedspread over it. Well, I didn't have time to do that, and I got out. When I got home from school, my father said, how come you didn't do your chores? I told him why. He said, listen, I don't know that you're even my son. I don't care what happens to you. I set this apartment up for your brother. I know he's mine. He said, if you don't do your chores, you don't live here, you understand? I left that day and went to live in the woods. I lived in the woods till, I don't know, sometime I suppose in November, the leaves were falling off the trees and I had a little fire going, see? And somebody thought the forest was on fire. So they called the fire department all of a sudden, this guy comes riding in, this mounty, comes riding in on this horse, right? And I look up at him, and he looks down at me, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, nothing. <laughs> I'm wondering, oh boy, what's gonna happen now, you know? Well, they took me into custody, and they tried to find somebody to come and get me. I sat in this office when another trooper called that trooper out. Shut the door, but I could still hear him. He said, I finally got a hold of this guy's father. He said, nobody wants this kid. And this kid has not even been reported missing. That's how I grew up. I grew up insecure, which made me angry, which made me mad, which made me bad. If you'd have met me when I was 16, 17 years old, you wouldn't want to know me. I was the type of kid, when I walked down the block, other parents called their kids in. I didn't hurt nobody, but I was dangerous. I wanted to be a hitman. Honestly, I wanted to be a hitman because I hated my parents. I hated everybody. Pay me money and I'll kill them. Hard to understand that, isn't it? But then I met a pretty little blonde. (laughs) And she started to change things. We started dating. We've been together ever since. But I still wasn't a very good man. I still was uh, focused on the wrong things. And uh, I was faithful to my wife, never beat my wife, never cheated on her, never beat my kids. But anybody else, I don't care. This nose has been broken three times I wasn't always the toughest, I was just the craziest. <laughs> and so, at a, uh, finally I, I, I became a real estate broker. I wanted to be rich. And I reached my goal. And I realized I'm still that insecure, frightened, angry little guy. And that threw me into a complete tizzy. I went back out on the water because before I was a real estate broker, I was a commercial fisherman. I went back out on the water and one day I just decided, I can't take it anymore, I wanna die. There's no use for me to live. I'm an intrusion into the world. I don't really belong here, I'm a mistake. And actually, to tell you the truth, those feelings are still there. But instead of hitting the bridge and committing suicide in my boat, I decided I had to do something for God in order to get him to take care of my wife and my two sons. And so uh, I'm coming up the river to dock my boat, and I said, listen, God, I don't know what to do. I'll worship you. But how is, what's right? I mean, I was raised a Catholic. Is Catholic right? Is Protestant right? Is Jewish right? Is Buddhist right? Is Hindu right? What's right? Are they all right? I know I'll read the Bible. I already had read the Book of the Dead. I was reading Nostradamus and all this other stuff. But I'll read the Bible. But then I thought better of it. That's a big book. I don't necessarily want to read that big book, you know. My, oh, my, you know. And, And I said, listen, God, I'm serious. I don't want to live no more. If you can do something with my life, I don't care what it is, just get me out of here. Get me out of this. I believe you're there, God, and I'm tired of this. So do with me what you want. Now, I wish I could tell you the sky parted and I heard angels sing, but that's not what happened. I was tying up my boat, and I suddenly realized there was a feeling that I had never felt before. I identified it as peace. I couldn't, I didn't know what to make of it. I liked it, but I didn't know what to make of it. I drove all the way home, which was about 35 minutes that way, and I pulled into the house, and uh, walked in the front door, and my, she was cooking dinner, and she backed up. She said, oh good, you're home. She's making dinner. And I'm kicking off my boots, you know, because I was out in the boat. and uh, she, she looked back, she said, are you okay? I said, yeah, why? She said, you look different. I didn't know I looked different. At the time, I was the chairman of a Bayman's Association. We had many members and we were meeting in a bar and I didn't want to meet in the bar anymore so I mentioned to the executive committee sitting at the table I don't want to meet here anymore we need to find another venue and they, they didn't want to do that because all these other guys drinking they got their drinks for free but I'm not drinking anymore and I didn't realize that I wasn't drinking anymore i'm only buying diet coke and diet well i'm getting it for free you know diet sodas I don't even think I was about getting diet, because I didn't have to worry about weight then. And so, I, I think I was getting regular soda, but the reality of it was, is they all got upset with me. And they said, they started uh, like attacking me, you know, verbally. And the one guy said, and you know what? What's going on with you, man? You're different. And I said, what do you mean I'm different? And another guy said, you don't curse anymore. I never even realized that. And at that very moment was when I realized, you're doing it. God, you're doing it. You're literally changing me. And I like it. So did I. <laughs> so did my wife. The reality of it is one of my friends said to me, they're brainwashing you. I said, yeah, I'm going back next week for detailing. You know, I, I like it. I'm, I'm enjoying this. But you know what? I got a Bible. I stole my Bible from a hotel room. <laughs> and I read it all the way through. Now, see, I was a stupid Christian. I read page one, two, three, right on back to 1285. I didn't jump around. I just read it right through. But it was hard. It was King James. I got into a conversation. Somebody told me you could get a, a more contemporary language in in a bookstore. I said, "Bookstores sell Bibles. They're sacred books, you know." And sure enough, I went and I got myself a, a an English standard version. Oh, I loved it, but it was a Catholic Bible. I hit Malachi, and I'm boy, I'm doing great. I drift into the Apocrypha and the Deuterocanonicals, and I'm wondering what happened here. I went from Shakespeare to Marvel Comics. What's going on? And then I hit Matthew and I'm right back there, beautiful. So I'm a little confused. And I decide I got to get another Bible. Somebody told me that there were stores that sold just Bibles and Christian stuff. Now, understand this, I'm not going to church. So I go to that store, I got an open Bible. And once again, I read that one right through. This time, with my two sons. So we read through the Bible, we did the studies that were in the open Bible. We had a good time. And then one day, a reading. As a matter of fact, could you put that other slide that you made up, brother? I I was reading the scriptures for the first time and I came across this scripture. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live. In the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. And the first time I read that, it was, that's me. That's how I feel. That's what's happening. Thank you, God. After the third time reading the Bible, the Lord said, okay, you really believe? You have to go to church. And you have to tithe. I said, Lord. Lord. I don't want to give, I don't know what they're going to do with my money. Oh, I know. They could take my money and do all kinds of things with it. He said, that's not for you to decide. You show me that you trust me. You tithe. What they do with it, I'll deal with them. And he kept telling me, go to that little white church over there. I will not go to that little white church. It's not bigger, not much bigger than a garage. The lawn is tattered. Looks like the windows are dirty. I don't want to go there. But I stepped across the threshold of the assemblies of God, Shirley Assembly of God. And I felt like I was home. That was it. The first two services, I cried my eyes out. You know why? I thought I was the only nut in the world. I found out there were a lot of nuts. And I was glad I was not alone. I watched we we're watching reruns of Star Trek, and uh, on Deep Space Nine there's a character called odo he 's a changeling. I could see not many of you watch this, do you? Anyway, he was he was all alone. He thought he was all alone, and then he found that he was not alone and I that episode. Do you ever notice, I don't know about you, but we started streaming. So we're watching stuff that was on demand, right? And a lot of the programs have already aired. They're off the air. You know, they run their seasons and that's it. And you know what I noticed? When you watch a, 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 a program while it's in season and for the first time, when something happens to the main character, the first thought that comes to my mind is, are they taking him off? Are they removing that character from the show? Is there going to be any more show? Is this the end? But see, now, I'm, in dema- I'm, I'm on demand, so I know this is only the fourth season. They're going to seven seasons. <laughs> so they're probably not taking this guy off the show or this woman off the show, right? You know what the difference is? My emotional response. You know what happens when you walk with the Lord? After a while, it's like on demand. Been here before, done this before. I know how this is going to work out. I'm going to win. Did you ever notice that? I can see I'm not getting a lot of amens. Amens. But that's what it is. You start to understand your God's not going to let you down. There's another season. And I'm going to that season. And even if I lose my life, I got another season. Because it's only this body that dies. Listen to me, those of you online. You're going to live forever. Only this body dies. But you, in your spiritual form... You're going to live forever. Where are you going? See, because there's only two choices. There's the good side of town and there's the bad side of town. The fact of the matter is, beloved, that's why God gave us this book. So that you and I can read about people like this. And we can understand when things start to happen to us. This is the greatest time I have to glorify my God. I don't care what I'm going through. I'm going to stay faithful to you, Lord. Because that's going to bring glory to you in this realm and in the spiritual realm. Are you with me? See, sometimes when we're going through the tragedies. Listen, 2015, I had to bury my eldest son. I understand tragedy. I understand hardship. Even as a Christian, I've been serving Christ now since 1978. I understand I've been through a few trials, but he has never let me down. Amen. Amen. I took a ministry that when I didn't find out till after I got there, they were a $433,000 annual debt. Can you imagine that figure? I didn't think I'd ever earn that much in my whole life. I stood at the window and watched the students walking up the aisle, starting to cry my eyes out. I said, Lord, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I'm just the pastor of a small little church. What did you do to me? I can't do it. And it was like there was a voice right in the room said, I know you can't do it. You follow me. And that's what I did. Five years later, they had a balanced budget. We improved, we improved the campus by almost $400,000. And we were putting money in the savings account, and we were tithing. Amen. The ministry was tithing. Beloved, you don't have anything to worry when you go out those doors. But you're not going to really get that embedded in your spirit unless you read this book, over and over and over. I've read through this Bible now. My wife and I, every, every morning, we get together. We pray. And when we read the scriptures, she reads five verses. I read five verses. We read that one-year Bible. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Right? We read the one-year Bible. Every day. We did it this morning, too. The other day we were reading and we came across this part about Sarah. Now, all of these times, and I've probably read through the Bible at least I've read through the Bible 50, 60 times from page one on, okay? And I used to always think to myself, what's the big deal? Sarah's having a baby. A lot of women have babies, Why is it such that he's giving her credit, you know, that this is such an important thing in her faith? And then the other morning, he realized, back in her day, women died of childbirth quite often. And they were women in their prime. This woman's in her 90s but she trusted God. Those of you who are senior citizens, he's not done with you. If you're still here, you got work to do. Get about it. I'm an old man, but I got work to do, and I like doing it. And young people, they may sound like those old fuddy-duddies but they got a lot of wisdom and a lot of love to give to you, don't you forget that. If they're willing to talk to you, it's because they love you, I know. The fact of the matter is, beloved, you need this book. You need to get it in and get it in and get it in and get it in so that when you face life's trials, and you're going to face life trial. If, hey, listen if by the, t- the video there. If you come to Christ, or if you've come to tune in to find out that when you come to God, it's going to be a cakewalk. Turn off the, whatever it is now, because that's not it. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you will be victorious yes. in all of your trials. You can't lose for the women, period. And these folks, why did you come here today? I asked the guy the other day. He came forward for prayer. I noticed he's got two earrings on. They're crosses. I said, are you wearing those earrings for fashion or faith? It was, he was wearing them for faith. But you know, I realized at that moment that some people come to church... They come to church to either honor God or out of habit. I'm seeing these folks for you online. They they came for honoring God. Take my word for it. Show up next week. Then you'll know. The reality of it is, is that I had that Bible in me. But it didn't start to really, really work in my life with victory, with courage, with hope, with confidence, with assurance yeah, until I walked into the church. Yeah, that's good. You got to get in the church. Amen. You got to get with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they share their stories. You share yours. And they help you get through your trials. And you help them get through theirs. And you start to be useful to God. And that comes with a lot of joy and a lot of peace and a lot of confidence. Am I yelling? You're yelling good. Come on now. It's it's only because I'm passionate. I don't mean to be yelling at people. I just I'm just passionate. Am I yelling? I'm Italian. We sound like that all the time. We were living living in Hicksville in an apartment, and the neighbors next door, the house had three generation Italian. They raised their own plum tomatoes to make their own sauce. Vito. And he raised figs too. I'd give him clams, and he'd give me figs. But one day they're out there harvesting their tomatoes and canning them up, and they're loud. My wife and I are out in the garden, and she says, what, are they fighting over there? Because I understand a little Italian, right? And she says, I said, no, they're talking about the baseball game. She said, they talk like that all the time, they sound like they're mad. I said, yeah. She said, wow, I understand you better now. (laughs) (laughs) Beloved, you need the word, but you also need the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an important part of walking with God. You know why? (laughs) I've never met Ronald Reagan. So I believe Ronald Reagan lived. I'm picking him for no particular reason. But if I met him, I'd know him better, wouldn't I? Right? You meet somebody, even if it's only briefly for a minute, you know them a little bit better than you would if you had never met them at all. When you, we say when you get saved, you're meeting Christ, and you are, to a certain point. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're meeting God. I don't know about you, but when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was probably the most convincing event in my life that God is not dead. He is alive. And what I believed in that verse is true. He's in me. See, when we get saved and we come to the Lord and we ask the Lord for forgiveness, He cleanses us and the Holy Spirit comes in and He starts to change you like He did to me changed my language, changed what I was drinking, right? But, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know what happened? I realized that God really loved me. I mean, if he didn't, why would he meet with me? If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to seek it. You need to let the Lord give you the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He wants to, so let him do it. The only thing that will keep him from doing it is you. When I first, I wanted the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but when I got to the church and, and uh, I'm, it was, I'll never forget it. It was a Sunday night. It was my second Sunday night at church. And people were coming forward for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But as soon as he started to talk about it, I was, stand, I was standing in the cent, second row, right on the end. And I'm, I'm praying, I'm praising God. And all of a sudden, I went, what's that? <laughs> and then I realized, what did I do? I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. I won't do that again. But I did. (laughs) Sunday night I came back. Same thing. Did the same thing. But at the close of the service, there was an altar call. And I went forward. Pastor James Rayner, wonderful man of God who is now my best friend, my mentor and my best friend. He came over and I I heard his foot. His foot came, boom, boom. And he said, Lord... Give my brother your spirit and he touched me like that just gently boom I was gone that was it I could I felt like I should crawl into the crack on the floor and yet I couldn't stop from in in being elated because I knew I was in the presence of holy God and he was in my presence and he was enveloping me in his presence Like a giant holy hug, And even just the thought of it. God is real. And he wants to bless you. Every single one of you. Even you who are watching right where you are. My wife got baptized in the bubble bath. I got baptized in the church. God loves you. But he wants you to cooperate. Let me put it this way, one last story. My oldest boy was about 13. Came up, i was reading my Bible, he came up, he stood in front of me, put his hands on his hips, he said, you love Jamie more than me. Jamie was his younger brother. I said, no, I love you both the same. I'd die for either one of you. I'd give either one of you any organ that you might need if the doctors could use it. But I like him better. Well, his eyes got big. He thought he got me, boy. I'm admitting I like his brother better. I said, now, do you want to know why? He cooperates. If I ask your brother to take the garbage out, oh, yeah, but he takes it out. If I ask you to take it out, a lot of times you'll say, okay, dad, but you never do it. You don't mow the lawn. You give me static and stress every way I turn. He doesn't. I like him better. You want me to like you the same as I like him? Cooperate. See, I'm Italian. It says in the scriptures that God so loved the world, but he likes those who cooperate. Are you cooperating? I'm just asking you flat out, only you know. Are you cooperating? Are you growing in your knowledge and understanding of your God? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life and guide you through the maze of all the confusion out there? Are you living with the assurance that God does love me, but he also likes me? That's the question, and I'm asking it of you personally. As we close this service, I'm gonna ask you to ask yourself that question. Does God like me? Am I cooperating with him? Am I trusting in him? Am I believing him? Am I honoring him by sanctifying myself? Am I allowing him to use me for his glory in the world or in my congregation? Lord, am I cooperating with you? That's what I'm going to ask you to ask. And you know what? I don't want to pray for you. I want you to pray for you. My prayers, big deal. YOUR PRAYERS MEAN SOMETHING, BECAUSE IT'S YOU. SO, IF YOU, AS WE CLOSE THIS SERVICE, COME TO THE DECISION THAT, I WANT TO GET A LITTLE CLOSER TO GOD, I WANT HIM TO HAVE A LITTLE MORE CONTROL, OR I WANT HIM TO HAVE TOTAL CONTROL, DEPENDING ON WHERE YOU ARE, I'M GOING TO ASK YOU TO SPEND SOME TIME IN PRAYER. YOUR PLATFORM IS OPEN. IT'S A NICE, COMFORTABLE PLATFORM. You can come forward, or you can sit right where you are. But I'm asking not to go out those doors until you get an answer to that question. Father, am I cooperating? And if he says no, then you ask him another question. What's got to change so that I do? That's why you came, isn't it? Didn't you come so that you could be more pleasing to God? Didn't you come to get him, to know him a little more? I hope you did. Father, as we close this time together and our brother plays this wonderful music, I pray for your spirit to move in this room and that, Lord, you would touch each and every one of us, including me, Lord. Am I cooperating with you? Lord, Lord, I believe in my deepest spirit that I love you. But am I cooperating with you? Am I living my life the way you want me to live my life? Holy Father, in Jesus' name, let each and every one of us know this. And as we close this service, Lord, as the the brother, Pastor Donnie and, and Rhonda and everyone who's traveling... We pray that you keep them safe in their travels. Bring them home to their family in this church safely and refreshed. And Lord, we'll give you the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen.